Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. We've been having a blast this week, pretty much doing a new episode every single day. Uh, We've had everybody on from Sam Jones from the Shining Light Podcast. We had on Dustin Faulkner yesterday from Battlefront Southgate. Um, We had Dr. Cal uh, Beisner on, which was a blast talking about um, essentially climate change, global warming from a Christian perspective and how we should be responding to that kind of thing. We even had it on Jerry Wayne, you know, and we discussed his run in that he had with Joe Biden talking about AR-14s and and uh, that whole fiasco. So it's, it's been a blast this week. Um, yeah, before I introduce our guest uh, today, I just wanted to remind you guys as well. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring you guys as much content as, as we possibly can. And uh, one of the ways that we are doing that is through our membership program called Plugged In. Um, and so uh, what, we're, what we're doing right now is we are in the process of getting uh, videos uploaded and post-edited and all that kind of stuff from our Destroy Social Justice Conference. That's going to be available exclusively to members of Plugged In, um, as well as our weekly devotional that goes out every single week. This month we have uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding is uh, taking care of the devotions for everybody that's a member this week. So that's good. that's really cool. And then also if you sign up for the annual membership, we will send you a copy of our book, Social Injustice, absolutely. Absolutely free. So that's an option as well. So for more information on that, you, can get, you guys can go over to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, check that out. Again, you don't have to do that, if, but we, you know, we get requests for people to you know, help support us. Um, I'd rather not do fundraising. I'd rather not you know, send out you know, letters asking people to donate or whatever it is. Send money to your local church. Do that sort of thing. But this is just a small way that you can help support us uh, if you'd like. If not, we get as much of our content out there absolutely free to all of you as well. So that's an option. Um, you know, really excited about our conversation today. We've got uh, Andrew Ramsey on, um, and we're going to kind of cover like a bunch of different uh, topics, a lot, a lot going on. Um, but you know, we we met on on Twitter, and uh, and I'm I'm really excited that we've finally able to uh, have this conversation because we've been you know kind of trying to make it work and then scheduling things you know mess that up. But I'm glad we could sit down today and have have a talk. Uh, you know, welcome Andrew to the podcast. Podcast. I'm glad we could do this. I'm very happy that we can do that too. Yeah, so, and this is such a blessing. Of course, of course. Now, you know, one of the things that I like to do, uh, you know, like the first time that somebody comes on the podcast, is just give them a chance to share their testimony, share your story, um, how God saved you, worked in your life, that sort of thing. So, you know, if if uh, if you'd like, I'd love for you, I'd love for you to share your testimony. Um. First of all, I want to apologize to my listeners for sounding like a a a drive speaker box from Wendy's. Um, that's because I have a mild form of cerebral palsy, and um, I'm going to be is joking about my speech impediment throughout of the show. So, oh, if so, if. I make reference to uh, something drunk when I'm not. Um, uh, that's why I it's because of the speech impediment. Um, I was raised in the church, but God saved me when I was 21. Um, 
I knew the gospel. I grew up in a very conservative Lutheran church, and I knew the was of Christianity, but I didn't know the whys. So I, towards the later end of my teen, teens into my 20s, I started looking into apologetics and just really trying to understand why I, I need a savior. And I came across a sermon by Ray Comfort called Hell's Best Kept Secret. And I I learned that gasoline, not because I was special, but because I was a sinful wretch that, that was in need of a savior. Or I learned that um, uh, all liars had a, a part of a like a fire, or uh, uh, no thieves will enter, into, enter into, the, into the kingdom of God. And here's a kicker. Um, Jesus said that you've heard it said all that, that you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you, you look at a woman with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. And if I look honestly at the Ten Commandments, I'm just, my back's against the wall. All with ten cannons coming at me, and and I need to surrender to to Christ to save me. And so after that, I realized that uh, God leaves nobody. He, I was the Great Commission, and regardless of their disability, and so I I joined up with this missionary organization called Youth Worth a Mission, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with that. Jack. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is called Conversation Station for Jack. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to conversate with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've 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 heard I've heard of them as well. I, have, I haven't been directly involved with them, but um, but but uh, yeah, I, I have definitely heard of them and know a lot of people that are involved with them as well. I was involved with them with uh, five years, and in that, I had the chance to travel to the Middle East. Um, one of the highlights of my time with that organization was sharing my testimony with. A bunch of of deaf people in in a church in in um, Egypt, it, it, and this was I must say seven months after the revolution in Tahrir Square happened in 2011, um, and 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 that was just a joy of just seeing. Uh, just to encourage uh, people with disabilities is from another country and showing them how God uses me. And, and then after five years of being being in missions, um, God called me to go to Bible college. So I went to... Uh, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta, California, and um, uh, fun fact: um, um, my during my first semester was also oh the time period where Chuck Smith passed away, eh? and I remember wa- walking into Morning Chapel the morning that announcement was made. Eh? And there was a lot of talk about oh um, legacy and and carrying that on on and that was a very very interesting challenge for me because normally at a college there's usually some some uh, disability disability advocates. Is on campus. I had none of that. I actually had to be my own advocate uh, to 
uh, try to get accommodations is because along with my I, uh, speech, I have trouble writing, writing with my hands. And so I remember one teacher, I actually had to fight tooth and nail to try and get my homework done by computer when he was uh, me to write my notes handwritten. And I'm like, like, it basically took me an hour to write notes on the first chapter of Matthew to to uh, to actually uh, write down notes from my commentary that I've been reading, which I think at the time was um, D.A. Carson from the Bible commentary. I forget what the actual name. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know, like I, f- I feel like you know that's one of the things that I think a lot of that a lot a lot of Christians forget is that, um, you know, like you know, because you know, I I grew up uh, when like so like when I went to college, I went to like a small Bible college as well, um, and I feel like a lot of times um, it's really easy for churches and Christians and Bible colleges not to make some of those ac- accommodations for people that are struggling with, like, let's say, a disability. And it's not that they can't do the work, obviously. It's that they just need different accommodations in order to get that work done. And I feel like that's something that, as Christians and believers, we should be overly accommodating for. You shouldn't have to fight tooth and nail to be able to, you know, write your paper using a computer or whatever whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Right. And, I, and, and, and I'm thankful that I had... Uh, teachers that have been accommodating, accommodating and and um, were gracious and and some of the teachers I ended up becoming good friends with. It's like Andy Dean, um, Sosimo Avila, uh, um, Simon Westock taught my apologetics class. I don't know if you ever remembered him. Him when he was on the skateboarding circuit with Tony Hawk, but but he was my apologetics teacher. That's cool. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not as familiar uh, as as familiar with him. But but I mean, you know that 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 is that is pretty cool. I mean, you know, skate, skateboarding with Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah, and I I he he also told me stories of how he actually. I'm so sorry for saying the name of the show in front of of the audience, but um, but he, but uh, someone was actually telling me stories of how he would run with the crew of Jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, and so that was very fun. Um, also during my time, I had the chance of. Of doing a doing a morning chapel as far as a for a Bible or a teaching class, and they recorded it, and I got hold of the video, and I sent it to uh, Chris Rothro of Fighting for the Faith fame. Right. Mm-hmm. And and he actually he ended up. Praying that on an episode, oh, I believe he he did an episode where it was a bad sermon, good sermon, mm-hmm. and and uh, it was no, it was um, unlucid preaching versus lucid preaching, mm-hmm. and uh, the person that he uh, the person that he pinned me against was the Bill Johnson of Bethel Riding. Yeah. So, and pretty much that that video actually ended up going viral because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I take it compared to Bill Johnson, he he was saying that 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 uh, that you were the good one, right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, 
So, well, you know, like, you know, I, I think I think what's what's interesting, too, is um, and an interesting discussion to maybe have is, you know, what, what's interesting for me is that, you know, because I, I grew up in obviously in in like Calvinist circles and, uh, you know, theologically, you know, I align with guys like John MacArthur or, um, you know, kind of like run it, you know, with the Phil Johnsons and the Justin Peters and like all that kind of stuff. But you know, for, for many reasons, I, I don't often have uh, many people that, you know, that have those kinds of theological beliefs that, that do come on the podcast and that sort of thing. So like, so with, with you, as you're looking at, uh, you know, the craziness that's going on, going on out there with like coronavirus and going on with, you know, just, you know, politics in general and all that kind of stuff, what do you feel like your theology, you know, helps you to actually not be stressed, not be uh, concerned or worried or um, or anything along those lines. Do you feel like believing in like God's sovereignty really gives you a peace and a calm in all, in the midst of all this craziness? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah like I go, I look to verses like Isaiah twenty six three, where the prophet says to Judah, um. Uh, about the apostles of Yahweh, and says so that as far as Yahweh is concerned, you keep him in you keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Trust in the, in the Lord forever, or for the Lord God is as an everlasting rock. And and it's interesting because I work in a warehouse. Else and and I hear, hear people are just freaking out out that oh we're gonna die this is the worst case is the thing thing is the end of the world and I'm like no it's not uh, I'm stupid and it's interesting because everyone is so. Uh, fascinated with the, the end of the world, and and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, I I survived Y2K, 9/11, um, Hill Camping's rapture, the Mayan, and and, and um, thing, and, and bird flu, swine flu, H H one all one, and and it reminds me of of what Jesus said that no one knows the day or the hour uh, of when he's gonna come back. Yeah, well, you know, like that, and, and that that's the interesting thing is that you know part part of part of the calm that I feel like we can feel is remembering, hey guys, God is in control here. Like it, like all of this may seem crazy to us in our you know in our specific little situation. But then if we took a step back and realize God actually sees the whole picture, maybe we'd be like, maybe this is a part of his plan and God is sovereignly in control and using these circumstances for his purposes. And maybe maybe we just need to be sitting back and trusting him and just, you know, being obedient, being good Christians, glorify him. But at the same time, it's like, hey, he's in control. Let's not freak out here. It's crazy because as I've basically learned this my whole life, living with cerebral palsy, I remember when when I was growing up, you know, um, especially when I was in second grade, second or third grade, if the kids that were in my classroom loved to play tag with me, and I don't know why, but I suck at it. <laughs> like, I, 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 knowing that you are the slowest person in the class, that basically takes 21 minutes to run a mile for the presidential uh, fitness thing that, um, <coughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> sorry about that. No, you're good. But, um, do you remember the whole presidential fitness test that? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, here, 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 here's the here's the thing for me is being homeschooled. I, I never I never had to do that, so I I heard about it. I never actually had to deal with it. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so so 
basically it's all all these things like pull-ups, sit-ups, run a mile. Oh, by some of my cerebral palsy, knowing that I was like the last place and everything, it, it kind of felt me like I was like a freaking by God in a way. And and having a speech impairment didn't help. Oh, um, but you know, as I get older, you know, I started to realize I was the. I started to realize that God is sovereign even in my disability. And that he has a pain for it. I mean, I, you know, I don't have, have enough space on my hands to actually count the number of times people compi- compare me to Moses. Yes, because he has speech impediment, which... I think I'm being made taking a few uh, hermeneutical liberties about that, but uh, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. And and you mentioned Justin Peter. Is um I believe it or not, I actually tried to see if I could work with him out. Of college, mm-hmm. and I actually sent him my resume before I graduated, and, and then he actually wrote me back saying that uh, that that he didn't have have like the room enough of of or trying to have someone help him and stuff like that. So. Um, I know the history between you two, and I doubt that that uh, that he's he's listening to this. But just in case, uh, Mr. Peters, uh, thank you for all your hard work, Eric, and and I pray for you that your ministry will, will be more fruit. Yeah, well, you know, like you know, like even even with me, you know, I you know. I, I've I've been critical critical of the guy for for a handful of things, but you know, like at the same time, it's like just because you you know you're critical of somebody doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge the fact that you know you've got a good ministry. I mean, like you know that's that's one of the things about Justin Peters is he's actually going out there and he's and he's you know promoting biblical truth when it comes to dealing with extreme you know charismatic theology and beliefs and that sort of thing. But then also too, like he he's. I th- I think to me he's one of those guys that's kind of an inspiration that even though he does have um, a disability that um, again in God's sovereignty God has allowed him to have, but he's been able to use that to further you know the gospel and and that's something that I think that can be inspiring to to all of us is that God has us in in all in different situations with different struggles and different and different things, but we got to remember God's in control. And God can use those things that maybe we don't understand in the moment, but then looking back, we're like, God, God was using that the whole time. And uh, here's the interesting thing too about the charismatic movement, mm-hmm. and and maybe this will segue a little bit into my poetry. But I actually wrote a poem called Circus, where I kind of juxtapose, juxtapose the faith healing movement to circus culture or and and at the end of my poem I talk about how the majority of people who who are supportive of the of those ministries are people with disabilities yeah you know you know why well well they're they're hope they're hoping that uh they're you is it primarily going to be because they're hoping to be healed and 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 that sort of thing that's part of it but mm-hmm. the but the other part is that uh, they are like, like limited in their disability that they are shut in and so oh the only in kind of Christianity that they, that they have access to are the bing hands, the craft of the dollars, the uh, the uh, haggies, is the Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
is and 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 the stream point that um uh, uh, uh ministries like you like Justin Peters like like uh Grace you like the word for they put out content uh, that's so biblically solid so so that people who are shut in and can get sound biblical resources. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's an important thing uh, that I think we need to consider as as the church as well is I feel like, you know, and, and I always make this comparison and, you know, maybe it's, right, maybe it's right or wrong or whatever it is, but I feel like it's all the bad, the quote unquote bad guys that are out there, whether that's the Joel Osteen's, the Benny Hens, the Rick Warren's, the, you know, Bill Johnson's, all those kinds of guys. You know, like they're they're going all out, mass appeal. They're getting their uh, messages out there on television. They're doing these big mega conferences. They're really hitting with the millennials. Um, and I feel like, to a certain degree, the biblically sound guys aren't necessarily able to do that outreach for whatever reason. And so it's we're kind of it's kind of a, a losing battle because we're not actually getting our message out there to the masses in the same way that some of these you know false teachers and heretics are doing. Which is then causing this mass chaos amongst people that are like our age and millennials and, and the younger crowd, and I feel like that's kind that's kind of a concern that I wish more people our age would be like, yeah, let's listen to somebody who's a solid Bible expositor, you know. I agree. Yeah, like I remember uh, one time listening to the Dividing Line while I was doing my homework, and one of my friends was making fun of me. Because he didn't know how I, how I was able to do my homework at Bible college and listen to an, an intellectual giant like James White, and I, he kind of made this joke, joke to me that my first dance on my wedding would be a James White exegeting John three. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, if if it works. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, you know, like, and, and I think that, um, you know, again, I, I feel like to a certain degree, it's it's like, you know, there are a lot of good, solid, you know, like Bible teachers out there. And then I think, you know, that, that for all of us, that maybe maybe we like listening to them or, um, you know, like learning from them, then I think with the way that things are set up right now, things are accessible now, finally, with YouTube, with SoundCloud, with iTunes and and all that kind of stuff. And so now it's just a matter of, trying to push more people to actually listen to these good guys instead of these questionable guys at best, maybe even like false, you know, flat out false teachers and that sort of thing that are literally drawing in arenas full of people. But then again, part of it could go back to, you know, our theology that, you know, narrows the road. Like, you know, the ma- the, the masses are going to be led astray by false teaching because, you know, God hasn't, you know, you know, chosen to, you know, open the eyes of their heart, save them, that sort of thing. So, so again, there's kind of a couple of, you know, things going on at the same time, I feel like, when it comes to this issue. And that's why I as a Calvinist, I have affection for Calvary Chapel. Um, I know that this is going to sound like heresy, like, what? What? Calvinists can listen to Calvary Chapel? Shocker. <gasps> but, uh, but the one thing I take away from Chuck Smith is that he always had had an affinity for simply teaching the Bible simply, and and. I know that sometimes that can be a challenge for me to keep things simple, but there's, there's something comforting to me to just hear a, a, a low-key message of uh, God loves you. you, you I thought he has a wonderful plan for your life because sometimes that involves coronavirus. But he loves you that he is willing to keep you in the palm of his hand through the storms, through through the trials of life. 
Yeah, and, and I think that, that that's that's important, I think, for believers to remember and, and even pastors to remember is that I think I think a lot of times in today's culture, especially within the Calvinistic circles, a lot of times it can almost be a contest to see who can be the most theologically deep and really dive into, you know, these complex, you know, theological discussions and debates and all that kind of stuff. When at the same time, you got to remember, like, some of the people that are there in the congregation, they just need to be encouraged with the fact that, hey, God's in control. Like, the world may be chaos, but God's in control. You know, sometimes those kinds of messages can be the most important and vital in somebody's life more than breaking apart a deep Greek theological understanding of, of a, you know, theological issue, you know? And don't get me wrong. I I can geek out over, over that just about Oh, uh, as the next guy, I am. I'm a deacon at my church. I'm not an ordained pastor by any means. Though if God would want me to be one someday, I'll let him lead me in that direction. But for the layperson, sometimes I'm the simple truth of Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is about as deep as we need to go at, or in times like these. Is that, that is the one place for our souls. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that, that that's, an, that's an important reminder. Is, again, like some, sometimes all we – like I feel like to a certain degree, like a lot of people that, are, that study theology a lot, they make fun of like the John 3.16 Christians and that sort of thing. But sometimes that's all people need. Like, people just need to know God loves them. Right, and, and, and I think that this is what we need in, in a time like this, is, is we need to to be reminded of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, where it says that, that in love he be destined us to be adopted as sons, that, that he chose us, that he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Right. And... and and truth, truthfully, um, when I tend to forget the gospel, that's when I need it the most. Uh, so that's why I love of my pastor, Pastor Travis Box at Grace Point Church, Church Northwest. Um, if you are ever in the Las Vegas area um, after after this coronavirus tapers off. Um, um, Google us, um, come by and say hi. Um, we are a part of the, the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. So, but one of the things that my pastor does very well is, uh, faithfully every Sunday, he points us, he points us to Jesus. And that's, and that's basically what we need is that that we need to be reminded constantly of the gospel. Yeah, and even, and even as believers, like we need to keep going back to the gospel. You know, like one of the churches that I, you know, because I grew up in Arizona, and um, we, we went to a church out there in Arizona. One of the things that I really appreciated that I haven't really experienced at, at another church is every Sunday they would they would do communion after the sermon, and it was always an opportunity for. Uh, for the pastor after the sermon to tie everything back together towards the gospel. And it was a chance for, you know, confession and repentance and reminder of what Christ did for us on the cross. And I think to a certain degree, part maybe part of the problem with the American church in general is that it's almost like you only, the, the, the mentality is that you only need the gospel before you become a Christian. But I feel like as believers, we need to be constantly be reminded of it because it's so vitally important to our lives to remember, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I mean, in all reality, even after being converted, I'm still messed up, still need my sins forgiven by Christ. And that's that constant reminder of communion that that I did appreciate so much within that church. And I think to a certain degree, it's like, yeah, we don't need to keep re, quote unquote, re-believing in the gospel, but we need to keep keep that constantly in our minds as a as a solid reminder of like, look, this is what Christ did for us, and I think that that's that's important. Uh, some, and I I may be wrong because you probably know 
uh, church history more than I do. But I think part of that is is possibly or to um, modern evangelicalism as we know it dating back to the 50s with um, let's say Norman Vincent Peale or um, Schuller um, or or that, that let's say as people or when door door knock upon them hey uh, what do you like here and he sorry I shouldn't do I shouldn't have done that because of the CDC, but um, but <laughs> um, those listening in the, the podcast, I just itched my eye. Um, but anyway, um, I think it was Schuller that uh, asked people what did they want to hear, and and they basically wanted to hear stuff of how to make their life better, and ever since then, you know. Uh, through the secret sense of movement and the purpose-driven movement, and we've lost sight of what what the church is for, which is the assembly of the saints worshiping Christ our King. Yeah, and and, and again, that that's that's a problem I think in in today's church because the church is no longer for the assembly of God's people. It's just it's just now an assembly of people in general. Like a lot of churches are focused on non Christians, and then if you and then if you're a believer, then if you want to go quote unquote deeper, then you got to come to like a Wednesday night service or like a Tuesday morning Bible study or you know whatever it is. It's like no church is supposed to be for the believer to encourage us, train us, and then send us out to do ministry. And that's something that I feel like is lost in the general overall, you know, American church. I agree. Yeah. Now, 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 one, one of the other things, too, that we were going to talk about as well is, you know, because you've gotten into poetry um, and, you know, you, you've, you've come out with, I believe, a couple of, bo- a couple of uh, poetry books. What got you into uh, poetry to begin with? Um, I remember when I was in high school, um, or during a study hall, instead of doing algebra like I should be doing as a, a, a good boy, I would be writing uh, song lyrics, because uh, I wanted to like be in a band or whatnot. Um, and when I was about, uh, and I always had a knack for poetry in some form. When I was in, uh, when I was 22, I had like a, a folder about that thick, but I actually ended up um, throwing away because I didn't think that guy was going to use that gift. Yes, anyway, fast forward, um, and this is going in, into to some of what led to my first book was um, I I was talking to a lady that and she was a good woman and and I made the mistake of letting a good woman go and I and and I felt guilty about it and so for weeks it just haunted me and haunted me and haunted me and and I got a place where I'm like, you know what? I need to let this go. And so I just sat down on my iPad uh, and I just started writing down how, how I felt. And just writing. And that actually started, started me into thinking, hmm, this is actually pretty good. Good to actually write. And so I wrote a couple more poems, and and I actually went to my first poetry slam, I believe in 2016, and I was only a, a one of three people competing that night. The other two were women. And I got my butt kicked by both of both of them. <laughs> and but, but 
some people were telling me like, hey, you're actually pretty good. Hey, keep on writing. And so, as I, I was kept on going to poetry slams and writing and getting help, help, you know, I said, yes, this is actually you know, a really cool, cool thing going on. And that, so that's basically how I got into poetry. Yeah. Now, now, so like when when you're when you're writing, because I I've dealt with uh you know because um you know like I can like like write music and uh, and that sort of thing. Is it is it a similar is it a similar process of writing poetry versus like writing like song lyrics? It, it's just you know mi- minus the music kind of a thing. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really come comes down to how you are are feeling that day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 for you, do you do you find more inspiration when you're writing, let's say, poetry? Is it is it typically going to be in response to something you read? Is it going to be more something that you're experiencing in life? Like, like how 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 does that kind of that inspiration kind of hit you? It uh, it it just reacts to what I'm doing in life. Like, like. like I know that this is the hanging, hanging fruit right now, but since I'm wearing Golden Knights, uh, I was just stuff right now. I wrote a poem, and forget the titles, but uh, uh, um, I wrote a hockey poem called "Go Puck Yourself." P U C K. Again, I'm sorry for the. Uh, the wording and stuff, but I actually wrote that in in light of the Golden Knights' first season and how we actually went to the Stephen Cup Finals against Washington. And on social media, uh, I kept reading all of these uh, various as um, conspiracy theories theories on why we were or in the playoffs to begin with. It's like, like, um, like we were paying off referees in cocaine. Um, <laughs> um, uh, of course, uh, there was the uh, infamous biggest flu because other teams were staying, staying in casino hotels, all as close to T-Mobile Arena, and and for the teams to go to T-Mobile Arena, they had to go through all the cigarettes smoke in the casinos. Yeah, I mean, was, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, to a certain degree, I mean, it make it makes sense, but. <laughs> I don't know. It 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 is always interesting hearing uh, people's explanations for somebody's success. You know, you know, like I always follow basketball, and I feel like that that's like always one of the same things. Of oh, the NBA, they just want LeBron James to win, or you know, they're they they've got the refs in for him, or whatever it is. There's always like an, an excuse as opposed to just like, hey, it's it's, it's how the cards fell. Uh, and honestly, he, uh, it, it was embarrassing last year to be a. A Golden Knights fan after or San Jose, he knocked us out in the first round because of the five-minute major. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> I, 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 I hope you're not a Shark fan because I don't want to thank you, but I do not think that because he can deserve that major. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, my, my problem is I, I don't I don't follow uh, ho- hockey all that much. So for me, it was uh, I w- when I lived in Arizona, we'd go to some uh, hockey games. You know, it was like Coyotes or you know something like that. But it was always we we were, we were going for the fights and we were going for the checks. That's that's pretty much what we were going for. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what everyone goes for. But uh, I, the truth is. Um, is if if you know about the, the October one shooting that happened here in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. is um 
the Golden Knights was a big, were a big part of the healing process for our community, and so uh, it was very cool to actually see on the boards the very, very first game, biggest strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, that, that's what that's one of the things about about sports is that you know it can really bring people together in that way. Um, and not, not to like over spiritualize it by, by any means, but I just, you know, I wish that it could be, you know, the church that was a unifying factor. Cause I feel like if you look at like American history, historically, it was always the church that was like the hub that would bring everybody together after, after there was a major issue or fiasco or whatever it is. And it's, it's interesting how, uh, in today's culture, it, it really is sports, whether it is, you know, like hockey or basketball or the NFL or whatever it is. It's like if, uh, you know, oftentimes if there's, you know, we saw that after 9-11 with the, with, the New, with the New York Yankees is that really brought a lot of people, you know, together with that World Series. And then Bush came out and gave the first pitch. It was a very unifying thing. Um, and it's just it's, it's interesting how sports has kind of taken that on in modern day uh, America. Right, and, and I'm and I'm pretty sure that there, that him very as that there has been some very influential churches that helping unification as well. But uh, if you really look at it from a sociological standpoint, right, if you are non-Christian, and you know, you know, you, know, you want to try to to uh, unify uh, I, I around the lowest common denominator and for our city is, is the fact that we had a new sports team at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Now, now, what, now, now what, what's some of the other, um, like, kind of, kind of things that you are writing about when you, when you are writing your poetry? What's, uh, what's kind of some, some of the, the focus of your writings? Um, my the focus on my my writings have been a uh, very uh, blue collar, or um, kind of redneckish, anyway, which is is kind of unique because if you, being in the poetry community, it has a lot of uh, social justice, very a lot of uh, LGBT, no LGBT, not BT, BT. The issues. I will make sure that I have the um, the uh, letters correct because I, again, I'm not drunk as I'm I'm recording this. Um, but uh, um, but uh, it's really liberal, all in, especially in the circles that I run into. And so I tend to write a lot of, of um, right, right-leaning, redneck, uh, uh, act stuff. I get a lot of inspiration from old-school country, like Johnny Cash, like Waylon Jennings, um, and a little bit of Kenny Rogers as well. I mean, yeah. And, you know, we're recording this the morning after Kenny Rogers died. And one of the things that I really enjoy about all us 70s, 80s country and that outlaw era is that uh, they didn't care if if I got played on radio. Oh, they could basically care less what you thought. Uh, and uh, um, and a very good uh, documentary to to watch if you while you're in quarantine is um, Tricky Dick versus the man the man in black, where it talks about uh, Jane Cash being invited to the White House by Richard Nixon, and and the controversy surrounding that. That's a very good watch. Yeah, I'll I'll have to add that I'll have to add that to my queue for sure. Uh, so so what, like so what what's been what's been the response to your writings 
it, since you are in a pretty liberal, progressive, social justice warrior uh, community when you th- within the within the poetry, you know, community and that sort of thing, what's been the response to going more conservative, redneck, uh, you know, you know, themes? Well, looking at it, it's kind of a kind of a breath of fresh air, because as everyone one is writing about the same things. Um, I give you an example. Um, I was a judge for when and Brave New Voices came here to Las Vegas, uh, and every one of the opponents, I thought, okay, this is neither brave nor new because I've heard this all before. Or and so I. So I actually tend to get a lot of respect for for what I bring to to the table. Yeah, well, and that and that and that's really good that that you do get that that you do get that response. I always, you know, living living out here in uh, in California, you always have to you know like watch your back if you ever you know say anything positive about you know conservatism or <laughs> capitalism or you know whatever it is. It's a it's it's interesting kind of you know being out here where it's where it's uh, you know the worst thing you could possibly do would be to say something that's like pro conservative. <laughs> I. I even wrote a poem about my beard one time. <laughs> um, and, and this was based off of a true story that I went to a grocery shop and I was told that my beard wasn't manly enough by a woman. And I'm like, how would you kill you? <laughs> and so I actually wrote a uh, a response poem to that, mm-hmm. which will make it to a future book. Okay. Uh, well, that that's cool. Now, now, do you do you have do you have anything uh, that that you could uh, you know like read or recite or anything like that for um, for those that are watching this, um, just as like an example of kind of some of the stuff that you put together? Right, I can I can uh, recite a couple pieces. Yeah, go for um, it. Yes, this is from my book, uh, A Sojourn, A Discovery of Love. Um, I also published this uh, a couple years ago, and you can buy this on Amazon, Lulu, and Barnes & Noble. Oh, oh, hashtag shameless plug. Hey, and, and, I'll, and I'll make sure that uh, with, with the recordings that we've got the links down below, so that way if anybody wants to check it out, you guys can for sure. So this is one I actually wrote about my about my. This is the local book of love poems that I put together. And this is one about um dating with a disability. This is called love like love like normal. I bet that me nice not to be mistaken for a Pentecostal speaking in Athenian gibberish all the time, but someone born with cerebral palsy being asked, what's wrong with you, every single day, I can't help but to dream of love, and think about love, and I had these questions about love, like, if love is a game, then why should the rules be different for me, like they were in Southgate P.E.? Because all I want to do is assimilate into, into society, get the girl that's on my league, become her hero, and buy my happy ever after, even if I'm not, I'm not Prince Charming. Taste the fishes of her lips like a fine Napa Valley wine, and give her the emotional security, and fight for her, so the kiss and make up, up again, even if she can't tell if I'm saying I love you or all the juice. My friend asked me if I would ever date someone with my own disability, but it seems hypocritical to me. People want me to integrate into into society, but they think that I'm setting the bar way too high. And hey, and they know like Woody Hilson, this white man can't jump. It's ableist me here. She has a disability. You have one too. Why not try out the dating thing? B 
because I'm not even attracted to her. How do you expect me to live a normal life if you want me to make like 21 pilots and, and tell me to do stay my thing, boy? I'm just a person with cerebral palsy making like Chris Stapleton. Because I'm just a traveler on this earth. Shove my heart behind the pocket of my shirt. Trying to find my place in this world. And that place is with someone who will see me for me. If you want me to live like normal, at least let me have the opportunity to love like it. There, there you go. For sure. Now, now, um, yeah, no, you you said that you had a you had a one or one or two others as well. Yes. Uh, um, this is one of the uh, shorter poems in the book. Um, this is called "My Lover's Arms." My lover's arms, I truly miss the warmth of her eyes are my delight. For when I'm alone, I jones for a kiss. Her lovely form I, lo I long to hold tight. And in my dreams I see her there. Her comfort comes in, in the form of a smile. Oh, how I want to run my fingers through her silky hair. The taste of her tongue makes the way worthwhile. And as I hold my pillow, pillow tight, I pretend she's near. I whisper sweet nothings under my breath. Thinking of best memories we both hold, hold dear. For love is a song of death. So tonight, while I, while I dream, I simultaneously pine for my for my mother for my lover's arms that I call mine. Very, very cool. Very cool. You know, it's it's always it's always interesting hearing uh, hearing different uh, you know like poems or things like that. Because again, like I was saying before, like I I've always been used to. Uh, you know, like writing music and, you know, putting stuff to, you know, music. And it's, it's interesting how, um, it's interesting how, you know, like, you know, essentially like a lot of songs, it, I mean, essentially it is, it is poetry. It's just to music. So you take, you take the music away. It's just a whole different experience. Right. Right. And I, so like, I, the whole justice of, of the book Sojourn is I originally was going to, put forth an, an anthology of different forms of my work. And this was after I had uh, just gone to the Utah Arts Festival performing in my very first Team Poetry Regional Slam. Mm -hmm. And so as I was collecting all my work, I noticed that the majority of my poems were all love poems. And so, at the risk of trying of being pigeonholed as a love poet, um, I decided to just uh, put together uh, uh, this book, and I wanted to do something special with, with it. I didn't want it to just be a mishmash of, of poems. I want the poems in, them, in and of themselves to, to tell a story. Yeah. From um, when you first meet that someone to the whole stage ages of the relationship, the DTRs, the longing, the longing for someone in the middle of the night, I to writing poems about how you love someone and you just don't care to breaking up and finding hope after mm -hmm. or, yeah yeah now now uh now kind of as 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 we're wrapping up as well do you, do you have one more that you'd like to recite to kind of close it out um yes uh, i have this is called this is based off of of the the five stages of love a relationship goes through. This is called uh, Boy Meets Girl. It always starts with a thought. Pretty girl with a pleasant disposition catches your eye. You don't know why, 
but somehow you try to overcome the overthinking or borrowing some courage from Jim Beam just to say hello. Small talk leading to actual conversation which leads to looking into her eyes, then you proceed to get her number to continue contact with this lovely, lovely creature. Over time, you get to know one another. Your hopes, dreams, favorite things develop a crash, but keep it okay until she misses you on the daily, until you both face the truth. You actually like each other. First date, dinner, and a movie. Second date, exploring only a part of time you've never been before. Third date, if things go well, and with a tender kiss goodnight to see if the chemistry is really right, we will win a chicken dinner. Now you are really caring for her as she's deeply caring for you. On Mondays, getting pretty blue, your heart feels warm and soft while silently asking, what the heck? And somehow your friends think you're getting dumb while they're acting dumber, you only have her on your mind, so you tell them to bug off. Come to DCR. If you can say mutual, it's time to form a couple, while this new love is innocent, and bond, will, bond together while embracing, feeling, feeling like this is the best best thing ever, you want this high to never end, but love is not energy drink or covete, my friend. Briefly impact. You both hit the wall, you, or time for her to discover uh, that knuckle-dragging Neanderthal you really are. You, you, you both feel lost in space, wondering where the warm, where, uh, wondering where the warm fuzzies have been misplaced. Passion set afraid, bait with the unknowns you're not afraid of the dark. Trying try to reunite the spark in your hearts that keep the flame, keep those love chemicals flowing back back into your brain. But those stop now. This is only part of the process of love. Time to go deeper in, in your relationship. Build your foundation on solid rock, high enough to withstand the storm. You are trying to understand her past, trying to stay in the present while trying to figure out if she is in your future because there is no doubt that she is the one you want near. You, you've overcome the fear as you're learning, learning to love her. She's also learn, learning to love more of you. Yes, you both can see this too. You, you both make a cute couple. While you, you live in a world trying to find, trying to find harmony, giving, giving everyone hope that peace and love can happen when boy meets girl. Very, very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, now, if people want to be, you know, following you, and you know, they they want to, you know, either get one of your books or uh, you just follow along with uh, anything you're talking about or writing about or things like that. Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? On Twitter at uh, Ramsey the Voice. Um, I also have a Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Ramsey the Voice, and I'm also on SoundCloud. I'm getting ready to record some new stuff, so oh, you can find me on, guess what, soundcloud.com backslash Ramsey The Voice. Yeah, and, and, and we'll put the links uh, below for uh, for the recording as well, um, just so that way you guys can go follow him and then uh, check out more of his poetry and that sort of thing. But but Andrew, I'm really glad that uh, that we could sit down and we could have this conversation. I really enjoyed it. It was it was really fascinating, kind of you know discussing every all all of this stuff, especially in light of everything that's going on in the world, and just remembering like, hey, God. God's in control. Like that, I think that that's the most important thing that we need to remember as we're dealing with all this craziness with coronaviruses. Hey, God's sovereign; He's in control. Yes, He is, and I really had a good, a very good time. So uh, we should do this again sometime. So, sounds sounds good to me. We'll we'll definitely plan on plan on it again. I mean, we're 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 literally uh, pump, pumping out a new podcast every day right now. So I'm sure I'm sure that'll come come back around soon. So. <laughs> hey, and. And hopefully I'll have some new new stuff for for you. Perfect. That's that sounds great. So uh, yeah, again, thanks for coming on, and then also for everybody as well. Uh, we're take we're taking tomorrow off of the podcast. Uh, we will be back on Monday. Let me check and see who we've got coming up this next week. Uh, this next week, Monday, we've got uh, Doctor Mike Spalding. 
Um, and we may have a special announcement uh, with him as well. And then we've got uh, J.D. Rucker, who's the host of our new podcast, uh, Rucker Report. Uh, he's also the editor-in-chief over at Knock Report as well. So we've got uh, him coming up on Tuesday. And then we're, we're booking out the rest of the week as well. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, if you guys want to get plugged in, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. And then, uh, yeah, just stay safe. Uh, be aware with all this coronavirus stuff. Make sure you guys are stocked up on food, water, all the good stuff. Because right now, we have absolutely no idea what's coming next. But remember, trust in God. Easy control. Don't freak out. Um, nothing happens without his approval. So just you can rest assured that he is in control. And, hey, we'll see you guys back on Monday. <laughs>